Welcome, my name is Jeff. I'm part of the teaching team here at Rainier View, and we are starting a brand new series today called Betterness. And we're doing this because we really want to look at this quality of bitterness that can be in our lives and how it silently can be killing our joy and eroding our relationships and what we can do about it. And so I had kind of this moment of awareness around bitterness in my own life that stemmed out of a moment uh, of loss of a family member and really being more aware of the role and the presence of bitterness in my life. And so uh, my uncle Kevin passed away unexpectedly uh, on a mountain biking accident. And so as we were preparing for his celebration of life the night before that, the family was gathered together and uh, my cousin had the foresight to have Kevin record his life story on video a couple years prior, which was a great idea because my uncle Kevin was such a great storyteller. And so we're all sitting around watching this and there's a moment from that, uh, you know, watching that together that will always stick with me as, as Kevin was recounting his life in, in various uh, you know, stages of it. He said more towards the end, he was talking about his different groups of friends and he had all these different activities that he would be part of and he had these friend groups and all of them. And he almost said as a through, uh, kind of a throwaway line, you know, kind of a, a joke, you know, my friends, are, they can be kind of weird, right? But he said, but I try not to judge my friends because that's not really what we need from our friends. We've all got stuff that we're going through. And he kind of moved on to tell the rest of his life story. Uh, and so that kind of struck me, it stuck with me, because as I, as I realized uh, something, that the next day, over 300 people turn out for Kevin's celebration of life. All these different people from all these different groups and all the, all the activities that he liked to be part of. Um, and it reminded me of, man, the, the insight that he had as being such a people person that he knew something about the reality that we need to kind of set aside uh, often so many of the things that, that we judge one another for around the goofy, the weird, the odd uh, things that we do, the shortcomings, the limitations that we have. Um, but, but he was able to really kind of cut through that. And it wasn't that he wouldn't speak up uh, if somebody was doing something wrong or speak his mind on issues. Of course, he would like most of us do. Um, but what was different uh, after sitting there and thinking about it was the reality of his ability to be relationally connected to so many people. And it struck me, one of the things that I love about my Uncle Kevin was his positivity in his life on earth. It, he was just such a positive guy in this almost unexplainable sense of a lack of bitterness in his life towards, towards any situation, any person. And it got me thinking about my own heart, my own mind, and thinking about the bitterness that, that sometimes I'm not aware of. Or I don't think about it a lot in the moment, but when I pause and slow down, often it becomes a lot more present and a lot more real. It pops up. And as I began to reflect and think about my uncle's life, it, it caused me to think, I don't want to be a person that's holding on to bitterness that I don't have to. And so as I drilled down on that, I, I really saw that my, my own personal bitterness was tied up in a few key things. One, just simply a quickness to maybe judge others too prematurely. Often bitterness comes out of a sense of comparison, comparing myself to somebody else and thinking that, that I should have what they have or I've worked harder and why, did, why are they where they are? Or 
for a sense of my own justice to be done, right? Now, the version of my justice is that I think somebody's a jerk and they need to get what's coming to them like yesterday. Please and thank you, God, right? Now, maybe you can relate, maybe not. But um, here's the thing. Again, I don't, I didn't think of myself as somebody who had a lot of bitterness that they were holding on to. But as I began to think about the emotional weight of, of bitterness can pop up in these unexpected ways where you think you've put an issue to rest. You think you've put uh, that relational issue behind you and then something pops up on your newsfeed or you remember something and all of a sudden those emotions came flooding back around that issue. And so what do you do uh, from that? And so it got me thinking about what does God's word have to say about bitterness in particular? And what's the wisdom that we see here that we can apply to understand this emotion better and to, to not allow it to be as present and to, again, uh, kill the joy that we, ha- that we can possess in our lives? How can we keep it from, uh, again, withering and eroding the relationships that we do have? And so I want you to take a moment right now and pause and think, what makes you feel bitter right now? Think to yourself right now, what resentment do I have towards a past event or towards another individual? When I've, talk, when I've been talking about bitterness, and when you hear that word, who's the person or what's the moment that comes up where you've been wronged or hurt or been hurt? What comes to mind for you? And for many of us, right, we would say, well, bitterness really isn't present uh, or isn't really that obvious. But if you really pause and thought about those questions I just asked, I think for many of us, man, those things come right to the surface. It's like they, they, they just shoot right up. And you're like, where did that come from? Even maybe you're thinking right now. And so it's, it's been my observation that bitterness is kind of a secondary emotion, right? There's, there's kind of surface level emotions, joy, happiness, uh, anger, uh, you know, maybe envy it, it, that's tied to comparison. But bitterness tends to be a more secondary thing. There's a bit of more subtleness to it. And so it's often in the back of our minds, maybe. We're not aware of how, uh, how it's alive and at work and active in our hearts and our minds. But here's maybe some of the ways that it does show its head. It comes out often in a rant against somebody with whom we disagree, right? It can show up in ranting that way, or somebody who we feel that they just don't deserve what they have in life. It can come out in that complaining session against a coworker that you think is lazy and not pulling their weight, and you're just, you're just kind of venting about all of that. Uh, it can come out really when you feel like, oh man, somebody got theirs. Like the completely hypothetical situation of your kid coming home and telling you that they got an A on a group project, but that other student who didn't contribute anything got a zero and your response is good. Again, completely hypothetical. Definitely didn't happen to me at all. Um, it can also come out in moments, right, with, with family even that we love. But have you ever sent some sort of text with the eye roll emoji or the angry face emoji when that one family member once again is making everything about themselves? These are all indicators. These are all ways that that bitterness that's, that's internal that we don't necessarily are even aware of or know what to do with can make an appearance and kind of come out in our lives. And so what we want to do, again, is look at the wisdom from God's word to see how does it speak? How can it transform 
our interactions with others so that we're not carrying around that weight of bitterness and what are the conditions that we need to possess and know and what are the things that we need to do to experience a greater sense of internal peace and joy, a greater sense of relational harmony with other people. And so um, we're going to begin by looking at some biblical principles. Most, many of these throughout the series we're going to pull from the book of James, but I'm going to look uh, at a pair of verses out of the book of Hebrews today. Uh, and so we're going we're gonna to start there in a moment, but first I want to give us a working definition of bitterness. What exactly is bitterness? There's a lot of different ways to think about it, uh, but I like the way that this, uh, this one definition captures bitterness. The emotional reaction and mood of bitterness is referred to as embitterment. It is an emotional state of feeling let down and being unable to do anything about it. Embitterment is different than anger because although it involves the same outrage, it also involves feeling helpless to change things. Or for those of you who grew up on 90s alt-rock, to paraphrase Billy Corgan, despite all your rage, you are still just a rat in a cage, can sum up bitterness quite nicely. And so here's where faith can be so important, whether you've been following Jesus for decades or whether you're just curious and exploring spirituality in your life. Here's where faith is so important. If we have the eternal creator of the universe on our side, and he is truly for us. He's working on our behalf to the extent that we see in the Gospels that Jesus sacrifices himself on a wooden Roman cross over 2,000 years ago for you and for I. This is the, the core of our Christian faith. If we have that in our lives, if this God is on our side in this way, then you and I are truly never helpless in a complete and total sense. We might face situations that we feel helpless, we're going to face circumstances that we don't necessarily know how we're going to navigate, but we never have to feel helpless if we truly have faith in our lives. And so faith works like a weed killer that gets at the roots of bitterness, okay? Because bitterness is like a weed that can overtake your joy and it can wither away at your relationships. And so you and I must learn to tend to it. Again, bitterness is like a weed that sprouts up and it kills joy. It can wither away the relationships that we desire to have health and growth and harmony in. And so we've got to learn to, to attend to this emotion of bitterness better. And so let's start with a pair of verses from Hebrews 12 that speak to this very clearly. Hebrews 12 verses 14 and 15. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Now, it might surprise you as you look at these couple of verses, the connection between peace and grace and holiness and bitterness. There's a, there's a real tangible connection. Uh, because again, if bitterness is like a weed that can grow up in our heart and our mind, it can choke out the space for these good character qualities that God wants to see develop and grow and mature and be more present in our hearts and our minds in our interactions with one another. And so think about it. When we don't root out bitterness, it grows and it crowds out the space for us 
to experience grace and extend grace to one another and our neighbors in our life. And so what might shift, what might shift if you began to, to pull out, to root away the space that bitterness takes up in your heart? And again, you were allowed to have more space to allow grace to be more present, to be a more gracious person and meet people where they're at. Ask the questions of understanding why they are doing what they're doing, why they have the attitudes and the reactions they're having. That's part and parcel of being a person who extends grace to others. And so let's not shortchange, as the verse says, really, uh, one another on the grace that we so desperately need to experience personally, but that comes through extending it to one another. That's how we experientially uh, have it in our lives. And so furthermore, we see here in the passage that bitterness, uh, the weed of bitterness can choke out holiness in our lives. Now, in our culture, the word holy has some negative connotations for many. Okay? We think of holiness tied up in this, oh, they have a holier-than-thou attitude, right? That holy people somehow are, are the people who look down on others, they look down their nose, they think they're better than, and often culturally, holiness kind of gets attached to that, but biblically, it's so, so different. Holiness, biblically, is not about judging others, thinking you're above others, or being better than others. Holiness, as it's defined by walking in the way of Jesus, is having our character, our actions, our attitudes bent increasingly towards the character of Jesus. That as we learn to take next steps of faith, that slowly our actions and attitudes better reflect the kind of life that Jesus lived. And as God's Spirit is at work within us, we exemplify those kind of qualities and interactions with others. And in that process, we experience freedom from the trap of bitterness. That bitterness really takes away and crowds out the space for these good qualities that God wants for us to experience. I love the way the message paraphrase describes these two verses I just read. It reads this way. Work at getting along with each other and with God. Otherwise, you'll never get so much as a glimpse of God. Make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. Now, many of you enjoy gardening, or at least you try and keep a somewhat respectable, you know, front set of beds in, in, in your, or maybe in your backyard, right? Um, but if you do any level of gardening, you know something that you continually have to deal with, and that's weeds, right? Wouldn't it be amazing if you could just deal with weeds once a year? Like you just pull them up and then it's done. But that is not how weeds work, especially up here in the Pacific Northwest, going into springtime and into the summer. I feel like I have a very small, modest bed out in front of my house and a little bit in my backyard, and I am constantly pulling weeds. And there's nothing worse than that like summertime wildflower because when you pull it up out of the ground, this, you can literally see its seed pods flinging off of it as you're pulling it up, like saying, you thought you got me, you're wrong, I'll be back, right? It's the worst like weed. Now, some of you probably love it and think it's beautiful. It just makes me sneeze, okay? I want to be done with it and get rid of it, but that's my experience with weeds in my own garden, okay? Um, now, here's the thing. It's not that other plants are not present with the weeds. 
This is kind of how bitterness works as well, right? If you have a, if you have a garden, right, and weeds grow up, what it does, it obscures the other plants in the garden. It makes it hard to see that beautiful intention and design you might have for your garden. It can limit the, the health uh, of whatever plants that you want to see grow because of the presence of those weeds. And it's the same way with bitterness in our own lives. It's not that it completely blocks out joy and peace and, and keeps any of those things from happening, at least at first, um, but it, it gets mixed in. It limits, it obscures those good qualities that God not only wants for us, but expects of any and all of us who've embraced a faith and, and trying to follow in the way of Jesus in our lives. Uh, and so just like the plants in our garden that, that are present if we let weeds grow up, everything becomes obscured and the health of that garden gets limited, okay? And so spiritually, what does it look like to pay attention to those weeds of bitterness that grow up? How do we identify them? Well, at Rainier View, we talk frequently and often about these different rhythms that we want for all of you to experience in your life. There are different spiritual practices that all of us need to engage with if we are going to experience freedom and growth and new life that comes from following Jesus. And so two rhythms that we talk about frequently and often are daily praying and daily finding a way to engage with the Bible. And when we do that, those activities are like cultivating our hearts and our minds. It's paying attention to those weeds of bitterness that might grow up and allowing God's wisdom to speak to those, allowing God to show us where we're holding on to bitterness and allowing us through his power to release that to him, okay? And so one of these resources that I'm using this year is through the Bible in one year by, uh, by Nikki Gumbel. And so the Bible app on our phones, you can pull that up. You can find that reading plan for free there. And I'm, you know, I'm doing that reading plan for a very spiritual reason, uh, because Nikki Gumbel is British and we just love things that are read by British people. Uh, so it's got a great audio feature. You hit, you hit play, here's a little commentary. You can listen to the Bible verses afterwards. Again, there are so many resources. That's just one idea, one example, one place to start. What's most important is that you develop a clear pattern and rhythm of when are you engaging daily, spending some time talking to God in prayer, and spending some time engaging with God's Word. But also, the point is not just to like deal with bitterness for yourself so that your own life is better, okay? The point of rooting out bitterness is also that we experience better relationships with one another. That's part of, part of what's going on here in the passage that we see here. Uh, and that we want to, it says back in Hebrews 12, to be at peace with each other. And when we don't pay attention to bitterness, it destroys, it withers away at our relationships and our capacity to be at true peace with one another. Uh, and so one researcher actually who's looked at bitterness as a condition uh, has pointed to the fact that bitterness left unchecked and in bitterness that compounds and compounds over time can lead to some actually pretty horrific outcomes in the lives of otherwise normal, seemingly normal, typical, loving people. Uh, consider what this one researcher uh, says, Dr. Linden. He says, these people usually don't come to treatment because the world has to change, not me. They're almost treatment resistant. 
Now he says, goes on to say, revenge is not a treatment. So he's saying some people can get to a point of embitteredness to, to this level at which they, they don't want any help and they're looking to take it out on the world and everyone and it's everybody else's problem, not theirs. But he goes on to say, nevertheless, Linden suggests that people once known as loving normal individuals who suddenly snap and kill their families and themselves may have what he calls post-traumatic embitterness syndrome. There's, that's reason enough for researchers to study how to treat the destructive emotion of bitterness. Now, I don't know if embitterness needs its own diagnosis. I'm not smart enough, I'm not qualified enough to say that. But what I will say is that what it points to is as the world maybe tries to give answers and understand bitterness, God's wisdom has spoken to it for thousands and thousands of years. And that, yes, those are extreme examples of somebody allowing embitterness to, to run unchecked and build and build and build. But bitterness can come out in much smaller ways and, again, steal our joy and wither away our relationships. And we don't want to allow it to do that. Because think about also, if we learn to be people that navigate this, and we're in relationship with each other, and we try and be at peace with one another, and we share the wisdom that's come through our faith, Who's somebody, who's somebody else that we might be able to impact their life? Like what terrible thing might we be able to prevent in their life? The, the, again, the break in a relationship between a child and their parents or uh, to help a marriage stay together because of the wisdom that we passed along around bitterness. What can we help other people avoid? And that's why I believe even if you are unsure where you are with faith, and you've got a lot of questions uh, about the Bible and what it means to follow Jesus and belong to church, that I encourage every single one of us joining to consider the role of faith in our life because it speaks to these issues of bitterness and how to deal with it. And we all need to pay attention to that. Because what terrible weed might be growing up in our lives or in the lives of somebody else that we can help tend to, that we can identify and help one another remove that and let go of that bitterness. All of us need the wisdom from God's word to be able to do that. Um, and so, again, rooting out that bitterness, by the way, doesn't necessarily change all your circumstances. It doesn't mean you're just going to be joyful 24-7 and nothing bad is ever going to happen in your life. That is not the point of faith. What it means, though, is our ability to pay attention to that bitterness allows us to become more capable of identifying it and not letting it grow up and take further and further root, um, you know, root in our hearts and our minds. And so, uh, again, we want to stop bitterness from stealing our joy. We want to stop bitterness from withering away our relationships. And so we need to learn to tend to those emotions. Now, I want to look at the book of James and take a moment to see where does bitterness originate from? Like, how do you identify when it's getting started in your life? And so the book of James in chapter 1, beginning in verse 9, we're going to see often where bitterness can originate from. It reads, Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. 
But blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Now, you're saying, I didn't see the word bitterness in that whole passage. What are you talking about? Okay, Uh, yes, that's true. This passage doesn't speak directly to bitterness, but it frames the conditions in which bitterness often begins to take root and grow in our hearts and our minds. Uh, That basically, when our view of ourselves is incongruent with the way God views us, we are creating a breeding ground for bitterness to take root and begin to grow up. Here's what we see in that James 1 passage that we just read. If you view yourself as less than others, you look at their circumstances, their situation, and you're like, man, like, I I feel less than them. You can experience a bitterness around something that you don't have. Conversely, if you think of your position in life as better than others, that other people are below you or wrong or dumb or whatever, that you, you are in a better position than them, you can experience the bitterness of a perceived, uh, that you can perceive that they're going to take advantage of you or somehow they're going to limit you in some way. Both of these viewpoints are not the way God views us and can lead to bitterness growing up. Because we see clearly in this passage, the struggle back then, thousands of years ago, is, is really the same struggle that you and I often have today. We often think our status, which we often define by our material wealth and our, our positions and the stuff we have, so that status thing, where we stand in comparison to others, that's what gives us worth, that's what gives us stability, and biblically, that couldn't be further from the truth. Right. The world says, oh, look at this, these rich and wealthy people. That's what success looks like. What does it say in James 1? He says, yeah, take pride in being humiliated, right? Because if you think you've done all this great stuff, like you are going to meet the same fate as every single human being. If you've been relying on yourself your whole life, you've missed the point of life. That's really what James 1 is talking about here. And so we, we see what's the antidote to that bitterness of not viewing ourselves as less than, not viewing ourselves uh, as, as better than others. It's viewing God as the one who determines our place, who sustains us, who gives us, as we just read, every good and perfect gift. If we simply learn to trust in God that way, that is going to be the, the starting place to seeing where bitterness begins to take root, and it's the antidote, it's the weed killer to that, recognizing God's the one who sustains me, God's the one who's placed me where I am, God's the one who's provided me with every good and perfect gift that I have to enjoy. And that's really where we, we begin with dealing with the bitterness in our hearts and our minds. It's not thinking about uh, the more that we want that some other people have and that we look at on their Instagram feeds. It's not... Uh, Again, a paranoid way of thinking that other people are going to somehow ruin your position in life. It's seeing God's in control. He's placed me where he's placed me, and every, every good thing I have comes from him. Okay? Uh, and so we kind of talked a little bit about this theory, this principle of how we can look for bitterness and rooting it out. 
But let me give you an example of somebody in real life that, that really modeled uh, how to deal with this. Consider the example of Nelson Mandela. Uh, so many of you know, but in case you don't, uh, Nelson Mandela stood up against uh, the uh, South African government in his youth to fight against apartheid, the unjust uh, system of, again, keeping not only blacks and whites separated in that society, but uh, elevating and advantaging whites and disadvantaging uh, blacks. And so Nelson Mandela fought against this. He was imprisoned for 27 years because of that. But then he goes on to be released from jail and goes on to become president, okay? And he talks about knowing that he had a decision to make upon leaving prison after 27 years. This is what he says. He said, as I walked out that door to the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew that if I didn't leave my bitterness and my hatred behind, I would still be in prison. Those are some powerful words. How do we possess this type of attitude better? How are we not going to let the things that have happened to us define my inner thought life and my heart and the way I interact with others? How do we grow into being people who don't allow our bitterness to become a prison that limits us? No, we want to become people who experience greater joy. We want to be, uh, we want to be people who experience greater health in our relationships with each other. And so we need to pay attention to that weed of bitterness that can grow up in our hearts and minds so easily. It's having God's perspective to counter the emotion that we experience when we pay attention to it. And so to do that, I'm going to encourage you to do something a little bit old school. As we're beginning this new series on betterness today, the, the action step for right now is to, to simply begin to memorize Hebrews 12 uh, verses 14 and 15. I'm going to read them again. It says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. And again, this isn't everything, but the starting point to identifying and rooting out those weeds of bitterness in our lives is to have God's perspective on our thoughts, on our heart to see things the way that God sees them. Thank you so much for joining us, being here. If you need some encouragement, if you want some prayer, if you want some help figuring out what your next step is to dealing with some of the bitterness that maybe has come to mind as we've, as we've looked at God's wisdom this morning, reach out to us, message us. We would love to connect with you and help encourage you to take those next steps to experience greater freedom from the bitterness that maybe has grown up in your life because we know that God can provide freedom for you because of what Jesus has already done for us. Thank you so much. Hope to see you again next time.